Welcome to Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. My name is Brenda Nearpass, and I like to say that I am a walking, talking God miracle. And why is that? Well, back in 2018, I ended up in the ICU and was told I had a brain tumor. I had no idea I had this brain tumor. And when they showed it to us, it took up about half of the right side of my brain. Oh, wow. It was huge. The type of brain tumor that I had is a meningioma, and they are very slow growing. They double in size every seven years. So because it was so slow growing, my brain was able to adapt to it. Mm. And the symptoms that I had were very minimal. I'd had headaches for as long as I could remember, you know, since a teenager. I mean, I've been in to see the doctor a few times about headaches, and they just told me that, you know, it was normal to experience headaches. And (laughs) there was two times where I started feeling sick in the middle of the night and went to get a drink, ended up waking up on the floor. So I must have had a grand mal seizure those times. But after the second time, I went to see a doctor because that, to me, was very strange and not normal. Yeah. And the doctor told me that I had just gotten up out of bed too quickly and that I just needed to sit on the edge of the bed before I got up. And, you know, because blood just rushes to our head too fast when we get up like that. Yeah. So, you know, it just got pushed aside and there were a lot of things that I forgot about until later on. What do you mean? Like what? Like one time I was in an airport with two of my daughters and I fell and I just, you know, kind of pushed it aside thinking, well, we're in a hurry and I just wasn't paying attention. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought that there was an incline and my daughters, both of them said that there was no incline. Then there was another time when I fell, I was showing property and coming down a steep hill, but I have been raised out in the country and was used to climbing hills and, you know, rugged terrain. We backpacked a lot and this one time I fell and tore my ACL and MCL. And, you know, I was just like, okay, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I shouldn't have been doing that because it was 10 days before my wedding. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Yeah. So that was very interesting. But with tearing the ACL, I was very slow with recovering and they couldn't figure out why I was having such a hard time recovering. Mm. I had to learn to walk three times during that. Oh, wow. It taught me to not give up, to persevere. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I would have been 48. I'm sorry if I missed it, but how did you finally get diagnosed? Well, on a Friday, about four in the morning, it felt like somebody had taken an axe and split my head open. Mm. The pain was 
so excruciating. I'd never felt such horrible pain in my life. And my husband, he got me a bunch of ibuprofen. I took that, went back to sleep. Well, Saturday morning, I woke up with massive pressure and pain in my cheeks. And I told my husband, I said, I have a a sinus infection. So I need to go to the doctor and get antibiotics. So we went to a walk-in clinic and the doctor examined me and she said, yes, you have a sinus infection. So she sent us home with antibiotics. And normally when I get a sinus infection, can take a couple of the antibiotics. By the next day, I can feel a little bit of, you know, relief coming. Mm -hmm. But on Sunday, the day after, it was worse. The pressure was worse. The pain was worse. And my husband, he took me back to the clinic. That doctor told us, well, you just haven't given the antibiotics enough time to do what they need to do. So he gave me a shot of painkiller. And then he sent us home with hydros. And when I got home, I looked at my husband. I told him, I'm like, honey, I am going to get sick. And I just started violently throwing up. And I just thought that that was a reaction to the shot that the doctor had given me. Mm -hmm. Because I had never had a shot of pain medicine like that before. So I went to bed that night. I hadn't been able to keep anything down, you know, in days. And Monday, my husband went to work. My mom came over to be with me while he was at work. And I was trying ice packs and heat packs, just everything to relieve some of the pain and pressure. Nothing was working. So I called my dad. I'm like, Dad, can you please come and pray for me? Something is really wrong. And so he came over and my dad, my mom and his best friend, they laid their hands on me and they prayed for me. And after that prayer, I felt some relief and I was able to take a nap, which ended up being pretty much sleeping the whole day. (laughs) But when my husband came home that evening from work, he was like, "Okay, we need to take you back to the clinic. I could barely walk. I was so weak. And he figured I was dehydrated, you know, since I hadn't been able to keep anything down. When we got to the clinic, I remember hearing the doctor saying that there was nothing more that they could do for me and that he needed to take me across the street to the hospital. So my husband said, "Okay, let's go, Brenda. And I was like, sure. But I couldn't get up off the table. I couldn't walk anymore. So my husband picked me up and put me in the car and we went right over to the ER. The doctor at the clinic called the hospital to let them know what my symptoms have been. So they immediately took me back and did a CAT scan. And I don't remember any of that part, but I do remember hearing them say we found blood on her brain and she needs to be admitted immediately. A few hours later, they did an MRI and found the brain tumor. What was your treatment like? Well, the neurosurgeons, when they came in, they told me I had two options. My first option was to not have surgery and I would die in a couple of days. Wow. The second option was to have surgery, hopefully make it through it 
if I did make it through it, I probably would never talk or walk normally again. And I would never drive again. Wow. Well, I mean, there was no choice, obviously, but still the good option was terrible. So tell me about over these last few years, what the recovery has been like and what your attitude about all of it has been. So the brain tumor was so large, it was pushing my brain down my spinal cord Mm -hmm. and it was closing off the air pocket that gives our brains oxygen. So I was slowly suffocating to death. And there's a lot of the time frame, all of that, that I don't remember. I had to ask my family, well, what did I say? What did I do? Well, what happened next? And after asking them multiple times, you know, I could tell that they were kind of, come on, you know, you can remember this. Well, I couldn't remember it. So I decided to start writing it down to help myself remember. And after reading it to my husband, you know, we thought that it could help other people. So I have turned it into a book. But when I woke up in the hospital, I didn't realize what had happened because it was emergency surgery. They ended up doing it much sooner than what they had planned on doing because my body just started to shut down. I looked like a stroke victim. My entire left side had quit working. So when they removed the tumor, they told us at that time, I only had five hours of oxygen left to my brain. If the surgery hadn't have happened when it did, I wouldn't be here. Wow. Yeah. So when I woke up, they told me that I was going to be in the hospital for at least two weeks because I was going to have to learn how to walk again. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I went through this before. (laughs) I just knew that I could walk. And they also told me that I would have to go to a rehabilitation center for two weeks. And when they said that to me, all I could picture was the convalescent home that my grandma had been in. And I was like, I'm not going to go to a place like that. So when I had the opportunity the day after my surgery to get up and walk, I did it. I had to use a walker, of course. They made me use that. And a physical therapist had to have a hold of me in case I did fall. Mm -hmm. But I was walking under my own power. You know, I thought back to all the the times that I had to learn to walk again during the knee incident and all the physical therapy that I had done. So I just like dug down and was like, come on, God, we can do this, you know, and I got up and I walked, I walked down the hall and they were so happy with how well I was walking that they told me I wasn't going to have to do any of the rehabilitation and that I was good. You know, I do have seizures eight months after the surgery, headaches came back. And then one day my left hand started going numb and then it went up my left arm. So I thought I was like having a stroke or something. (laughs) I was really scared, but it went away after a few minutes. Then it happened a second time. And so I got a hold of my doctors and they're like, well, we need to get you into a neurologist. 
the neurologist did tests and EEG and told me that I have epilepsy. But I'm really lucky because I don't have grand mal seizures. I have focal seizures. And at this point, I don't need medication for them because I've learned that stress is one of the big things that will cause a seizure. So I've learned how to deal with stress better. Yeah. And that's helped a lot. And I only have a few of these seizures a year. Sometimes it affects my speech and a sentence will be completely jumbled, but that doesn't happen very often either, which is great. (laughs) I'm super lucky with all of that. I do have anxiety. I've had to deal with PTSD and that's something that is getting better. The PTSD is is good. The anxiety has gotten much better than it was at first. You seem pretty positive, even though you've had a lot of medical trauma. Is there something you can suggest to people who are going through something traumatic? Do you have any words of advice? Well, brain tumors, um, there's about 1% of the population in the U.S. that has brain tumors. Mm. So it is a very small amount of people. Anybody that's going through a tough time, lots of people have asked me, well, were you angry about this? Did you ask, you know, why? And I mean, I did ask why now, Mm -hmm. because I finally got to a point in my life where so many good things were happening. And my husband and I, we had been married for about a year and a half and a lot of positive things were happening. So I was like, well, why now? But God didn't put this on me to punish me. And I kind of thought maybe that's how it was. But now I realize God did not create cancer. God did not create brain tumors. He doesn't create bad things. He's like me as a parent. I want to, I want to protect my children the best that I possibly can Mm -hmm. and make sure that they don't get hurt. But that's impossible for all of us parents. You Mm -hmm. know, we do the very best that we can. If we don't have the bad, we're not going to appreciate the good. Yeah. We need to go through the valleys to get to the top of the mountain and look out. And then when we come back down into a valley again, we just got to remember that a little bit further down the road, we're going to end up back on top of the mountain again. I really appreciate that. And there really is no light without dark. And you have to have one to notice the other even. Yes. The good thing is, is that if it does start regrowing, they can use gamma knife this time. And gamma knife is a laser beam that they can go through this it it just like boggles my brain it's so uh star track yeah you know <laughs> how does it work the beam will go through your scalp through your skull and pinpoints like the tumor and will like destroy the tumor in in there that is so star trek right <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story. And also, I really appreciate that you don't feel like a victim. That's hard to do when something like that happens. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. You said you wrote a book. What's the name of the book? It's titled Memoir of a True Airhead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. And where can that be found? On Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. That's literally your journal through the process? No, it's not a journal. It's the story of it. And I really hope that people will find hope within the pages that they'll see the miracles because there was more than one miracle. I mean, God creates miracles every day. That's my hope is that, you know, people will find hope, see the miracles and see that, you know, God's love is so abundant and he wants us to be happy and to live our lives in a good, positive way. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thank you for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.